Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You follow that streaming URL at the bottom of the screen, Come on in with your webcam and your mic and be a part of the conversation. It's hard time to call it. It's hard to call it.
comment or request, do press the number one on your telephone keypad, and I'll be more than happy to bring you into the conversation. I'd also like to reinduce to some and introduce to others my beloved blood cousin, Oloye Ifawole Oladeji Ifantade, who has graciously agreed to be a, a consistent co-host with us here on the show. So I want to allow him to come in and get his greetings and salutations, and then we'll open up our conversation for the day. Another word, yeah, what you said to everyone. I hope everyone is doing well. hope everybody is having a blessed day today. Uh, I wanted to share with you just a little prayer from Oya today, as today is the day of Shango, uh, Oya, Obaluaye. So, Spirit of the Wind spied courageously with her husband. She puts matters into order suddenly. The wind of death, mother of nine, shatters the evil mound of earth. Strong wind demolishes the tree by the family door. Rumor in the clouds. Throws down a stone axe. Courageous woman on forever with a sword. Spirit of the winds, tornadoes, spit, uh, sets the leaves of the trees in motion. She kills suddenly. She answers suddenly. Ashi. So today we give honor to Oya. We give honor to Kabiesio, uh, to Shango, and to Baba Oluaye for their blessings today that all of us will see all good things in life, that our enemies will be destroyed, and that all Alafi and Ray will be upon each and every one of us today who are here at the sound of his voice and at this teaching today. So blessings to each and every one of you, and I look forward to, uh, you know, where the show is today. So Alafia. Alafia Bawani. Certainly, I'm humbled and honored by your continued support and, and love and presence and wisdom that you bring, you know, to the show, to the platform. Um, and I'm grateful. I'm eternally grateful. Um, of course, I've been looking at DNA more and more, um, and I'm going to share just a little bit of that as well today, um, along with the show topic, um, which I've uh, chosen for today, Spirit and spiritual phenomenon explained. Spirit and spiritual phenomenon. And, and indeed, those are two separate but interlocked things. So it, in coming up with that show topic, um, I thought about so many different directions that this show could, could go on. You know, we could approach it from a, a scientific, a quantum metaphysical perspective, in the understanding of string theory, and we exist in 11 dimensional spaces, and indeed there is a dimensional space in which anything that we can imagine, that we can create, that we can uh, recreate in our minds absolutely exists, and there are indeed interdimensional spaces that don't mirror our reality in, in any way possible. Um, th- I thought also about its spiritual context in which we can look at ATR and indigenous world cultures and traditions and how they have uh, viewed the spirit realm. And they too see it as a interlocking collaboration between nature and, and humanity and the nature of humanity. And then that which is beyond our immediate 
comprehension. Uh, I think about the uh, tones and vibrations of the universe, hertz and, and, and megawatts and, and vibrational you know, patterns, which allow some of us to transcend dimensional space a little bit easier than others. And sometimes it's conscious, and at other times it's spontaneous. It happens in our, our dream state. Sometimes it happens in our waking state. Uh, but I, I do accept that our ability to be aware and to be in a place where we can perceive spirit and spiritual phenomenon um, as it happens requires a great degree, you know, of balance. So there's so many, so many directions that we could um, take a topic uh, such as this. I want to give Otan, beloved Otan, the opportunity to come in and offer her greetings and, and salutations for the day. And then we're going to uh, talk more about spirit and spiritual phenomenon and explain some things in, in detail today. Welcome, Otan. Everyone watching, greetings, listening. Um, I'm grateful to be here again today um, and every day, uh, giving thanks to all of the Mayas uh, for all that I have. And I will say uh, I'm looking forward to this topic. This is going to be an opportunity, um, I think, for a lot of understanding, possible connections, maybe a few light bulb moments. I'm really, really feeling that this can be something that dives so deep. Um, so this is going to be a very interesting topic. Um, also want to give thanks to my Aluo, Prince Baba Adabayo Latona, and Oluri Latona. And I'm ready. Let's dive in. Now, you know, I, some of y'all understand I'm a Labor Day Virgo, you know, with that 66, 11, 33 double number thing going on. So I tend to over-research. I, I tend to gather more information than often I even have time uh, to bring to the platform, you know, in any given show. I also like to give opportunity, you know, for my co-host to speak and to share and for you all who listen in every day on the Blog Talk Radio platform, those of you who listen in on phone lines at 845-277-9143, and of course for those who are actively uh, participating and contributing to the conversation <clears throat> here in the ongoing chat from YouTube, Periscope, uh, um, StreamYard, EarthCam, and so I got a lot of uh, administrative secretarial work that I that I be trying to do at the, at the same time, you know, when the show is coming on. So people will come through and, and drop crazy things in the chat. You know, know that I, I see it and I'm moving on it. Um, I know sometimes I tend to mute myself and, and forget, but I only forget for about a second. So, you know, y'all don't have to keep saying you're muted. I already know I'm muted in that second. So just give me a moment to unmute myself when I realize I've done that, uh, and, and we'll just continue with the show. Um, I gathered so much information um, with this topic that, again, we could look at it from a quantum metaphysical perspective. We could look at it from the perspective of not just African-based traditions, 
but indigenous world traditions and their view, their understanding, even their interaction um, with other dimensional spaces. When we look at our indigenous American ancestors, you know, they describe the, the dream state often, and they, des- and they describe it as something that could be consciously accessed or, or obtained, but there is, again, a degree of spontaneity in some cases to the dream state or the vision or our awareness that we're actually crossing in and out of inter-intra-dimensional space. And, and that's why I said I could do a whole show on just the quantum metaphysical, and I'm going to try not to digress in that way. We can talk about string theory and, and 11 dimensions, you know, briefly, but I might cover that, you know, again in another show. Uh, but from a HER perspective, traditional African-based religious system, though a majority of West Africans have now adopted Abrahamic religions such as Islam or Christianity, there are still pockets of people who adhere to their indigenous spirituality, and particularly that as it relates to the ancestors. Now, even among those who've embraced important, imported religions, vestiges of their traditional belief systems remain manifestly visible in the mask dances, in the festivals and celebrations that continue to animate the cultures of West Africa. And, you know, I take pride in saying New Orleans, you know, in particular, uh, has an intimate relationship with the mask dances and the festivals and celebrations um, that continue to celebrate the Fon and the Ewe and the Akan and the Goth and the Yoruba, and the Hausa, and many other uh, West African traditions that provided a footprint, you know, on our city, our culture, and our tradition. I also take pride in saying that a great deal of what we say is American had its roots in Louisiana, Mississippi Delta, culture, tradition, food, music, musical use of instruments, um, cultural nuances, wording, languages, and even uh, some of our food crops that have become staple um, have their origins in Louisiana and the Africans that work the soil and, and at the same time work the marketplace and work culture here in, in the Mississippi Delta uh, region. West African religions have traditionally permeated every aspect of the practitioners' daily lives. Even mundane activities such as farming, trading, smithing, or even simply the act of speaking were imbued with spiritual significance and and earthly consequences, both good and bad, so integrated with spirituality to every gesture of life that many West African converts to the new religions could never totally relinquish the elements of their traditional faith and were accused throughout history of idolatry or practicing bastardized forms of Islam or Christianity. And I often say, and I love to say, that there would be no church in America today. Christianity would not have survived in the quote-unquote new world, you know, that is now known as America without black spirituality 
without African culture and tradition, without the rhythm, the beat, the harmony, the smell, the food, the feeling, the energy associated with our, our cultures and indeed our traditions. And when we look at sort of the map of religion and spirituality, really across the world, but particularly here in, in America, we see that consistent footprint. If you know what to look for, if you know what to listen for, if you know what to smell for, if you can feel, I like to say feel from your bosom, sisters, feel from your heart, my brothers, you can feel just for a moment, if not cross just for a moment, into inter-intra-dimensional space. That's scientific. But we could say into the spirit realm. So we know that just a rhythm, just a memory, sometimes being still and being quiet, you know, how we rock a, a, a child to sleep. There's a harmony in a vibrational pattern that we fall into that feels familiar, that feels comfortable, and, and allows us space to, to be still enough to experience spiritual dimensional transition. Now, when we think about Spirit, now there are dimensions of spirit that exist in the spirit realm. And so those would be things that are indeed influenced by Orisha, by Loa, by, by, by dead people, by ancestors, and, and in some occasions by extraterrestrials or other inter, interdimensional beings, sometimes ourselves. Again, within the realm of this 11-dimensional string theory, there's a reality that mirrors my best interest that's very real. It just exists in another uh, dimensional space. There's a reality where my fear exists, where my anxiety exists, and those things that I, that I might harbor in my, in my shadow work exist, and they are real within that dimensional space. And sometimes people who experience anxiety, who experience a, 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 what they consider excessive fear, people who, who overtly worry, you know, a lot are sometimes pulling in information from that dimensional space that in a particular moment of transitioning time and space, it feels real to you. People who, who have experienced an anxiety attack, in that moment, that experience is very real for them. All the fear, all the anxiety, your heart rate, your breath, escalates, you know, and in that moment, many of us have experienced a dream where you may not even remember what the dream was, but you jump out of bed suddenly or you wake up suddenly, you know, and, and you sweat and, 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 and sometimes it's the falling dream, you know, where you felt like you were falling, you know, in the dream. But those are moments where we all cross in and out of inter and intra dimensional space. And in the realm of spirituality and religion, we might call that the spirit realm. So I, I want to open up this topic. You know, I don't want to hear you say I'm more eloquent <laughs> about this topic um, because I talk to too many people in the course of my religious and spiritual life, you know, even my performance life, um, who had spirit interactions or even spiritual phenomena, and, and I probably need to clarify the two, because sometimes there are spiritual phenomena that take place, 
For instance, um, I've seen heaven. I've seen hell. I've seen the earth from, from, from outer space looking towards the globe. I've had an alien or, or, or an extraterrestrial interaction. Uh, and I'm going to start with that one. Um, back in my 20s, my early 20s, uh, I was deeply in the quartz crystal and mineral and stone. Uh, I had just digested trans- transcendental meditation. Transcendental meditation. Now, if you Google that, you're going to find a whole lot of teachers and practitioners offering you classes and, and workshops. That's not what it is. There's a book that was written back in the early 70s, and it's called Transcendental Meditation. And you can still find it if once you weed through all the advertisements. Transcendental Meditation talks about how to breathe, how to access Transcendental Meditation. I can remember that it was frightful at the time to church people and evangelicals. They thought it was a gateway to, to demonic possession, and you were opening yourself up. Even in recent times, uh, as recently as the last two or three years, uh, there have been controversies about even teaching yoga at school. And, and you have these overtly religious folks that say, oh, you're opening up our children now to these doorways and these gateways and et cetera. And to some degree, there's truth in that because you are opening up doorways. You are opening up gateways, gateways that are inherent in who we are as humanity, inherent in who we are as both animal nature and a product of the earth itself, but also something that might be extraterrestrial. And that's just a word for something that comes from heaven, something that comes from up here. And so when we look at the stories of Irumole, which my cousin um, Oloye is better at, the Imole, the Orisha, you know, and even to some degree the, the ancestors, we, we might just be saying a different exchange of wording as opposed to saying inter-intra-dimensional space. So we all have had these interactions. We all have had these experiences. Sometimes we cannot explain them. Sometimes we cannot put, you know, words to them. You know, so I get a great deal of requests, you know, from the community, you know, about a dream or experience and, and what that might mean and what that might suggest. And so sometimes spiritual phenomenon is a manifestation of something spiritual that might be expressing a message or that indeed might be a footprint of some, some great energy or, or tragedy or event that occurred. So then we start talking about ghosts and, and spirits, and, and that's a, a dimensional space unto itself, separate from alien intervention or from Loa or Norisha intervention. So with this 11-dimensional string theory um, notion, you know, we really have the, the ability, and I say it every day, the possibility and the ability to create and recreate the reality that mirrors our best interests. That reality is already present in another dimensional space. Our goal is to pull that in to the reality in the present, in the present moment in time. Sometimes spirit shows up, yes, if if there might be a problem or an imbalance. But again, a message that's being conveyed, that there's often a reason, there's often a tone, there's often a vibration that's being expressed. You know, when we have these experiences, 
that um, I strongly suggest journaling. And sometimes over time, you know, we're better able to sort of put those pieces together. So I want to open the mic, you know, please, to someone else. I've talked for 27 minutes. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> and a lot so, of When we look at nature, we're looking at what I find as three things. Nature um, is, is that which is within us, but we're also looking at nature. So some people will call it meta, and meta then is that is is in essence the God within. So meta meta, we're speaking about all those things and the elements of the Creator, but sometimes we have to look at meta and nature, wisdom of nature. In fact, wisdom of nature, the wisdom of the God or the divinity within ourselves that allow ourselves to manifest and transcend to a higher realm of being. When we're talking about the wisdom of nature, we're talking about then we look at the Orisha and we look at the Orisha as their own dimension, as their own place. And then our goal is to live the life in alignment with that which the Orisha lived as they transcended to a higher realm of being. So when we have then Orisha to be manifested within us, when we're walking in alignment with this Orisha, we uh, uh, initiate to this Orisha, then we are now trying to elevate that divine consciousness of that Orisha and the manifestations thereof to walk with us so that we now elevate our consciousness into another level, into another realm. So then now we're looking at what are the elements, what are the sacred elements of these Orisha. What does Oshun manifest in us? What does Olokun manifest in us? What does Ogun manifest? What does Obatala, what does he manifest? Shango, Oya, Ajay, any of the Orisha. There's Obalua, just any of the Orisha. What do they manifest in us? What is it that spirit is calling within us that we need to connect with the Orisha to bring that to a different and higher a higher vibration within ourselves that allows the, the the sacred nature of that Orisha to manifest within our lives. So, nature, the wisdom of nature, the wisdom of the divinity within us that allow us to elevate our consciousness. And as such, as well, when we're looking at Arumile and the difference of Arumile with, with the Orisha, the Arumile, of course, being the emissaries brought down or get, uh, sent down by Alurumare for the development of creation here. And then, of course, the Orisha, one, the ones that walk this earth and they are said to have done such great work embodies such great uh, uh, things within them that they will transcend it to a higher realm. Some, in some other faiths, will call it sainthood or whatever the, the, the space might be. But what within us? We are a walking divinity. So if we are a walking divinity, then we are a walking essence and manifestation of a Lurumare within ourselves and these Orisha then bring out the embodiment of 
these aspects to allow us to live a better life. The Orisha wants us to live a better life. So when we're doing this work with the Orisha, it is in essence to connect deeper, to elevate, and to bring the blessings from those Orisha, from that energy, out. When we look at Orisha, we're looking at Ori. Ori is the first three letters of Orisha. So therefore, the true nature is that which is divine in our Ori. And our Ori is that vessel that our destiny is manifested in. It is the Orisha that we were born with. It's the Orisha that is most important. So when you are not in alignment with your Ori, with your Ori then you're not in alignment with anything else. So let's look at nature at, at this, uh, you know, at, at the spirit. You know, even the, 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 the term of spirit, what does it mean? Vudun means spirit. So you have Vudun meaning spirit. You have Ifa meaning the wisdom of nature. They're both saying the same thing in reality. They might go about some things differently, but in the end of the day, as spiritual beings living a human experience, then we are then in a, a all, all in alignment with our spirit and how we address it, how we manifest it, and how we embody it, how we delve into it, and what is our willingness and our sacrifice to walk in alignment with our highest destiny. Ashe, Ashe. And before I go to the phone lines, um, Otan, did you want to share? Bye-bye. Before I go to the phone lines, uh, Otan, did you want to share? You can go to the phone lines, cousin. I just, woo, I'm absorbing that. Excellent, excellent. And greetings, everyone in the chat, um, one and all who come. If I haven't acknowledged you directly, please forgive me. Uh, but welcome. We certainly appreciate you. Our phone lines are open at area code 845-277-9143. You press the number one on the telephone keypad, and I will open your mic. Area code um, 334, I'm opening your mic. Who's calling, and where are you calling from? I'm calling from Alabama. I was telling you, y'all was offering readings today. No, we don't do readings um, live on air. You can connect, oh. reach out to any one of us um, by way of email. Uh, we would we would be more than happy to assist you. But readings oh. are really too personal to do live on air. I, I've sort of learned that the hard way, you know, over the years, and so I, I stopped doing readings on air. Um, sometimes things that you don't want to talk about, sometimes things you're not ready to explore, you know, get opened up live on air, you know, on a, to an international audience. So we just invite okay. you to um, continue to listen and, and indeed participate. And if you have questions, you know, or, or even comments about the show, you know, subject matter, we'll be glad to, you know, offer you the mic. But um, you are okay. using the Blog Talk Radio platform. So if you go to the show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash the hyphen divine hyphen print, um, you'll see a, a, a list with all of our emails there. Right underneath okay. spirit, spiritual phenomena. Thank you, beloved. I appreciate okay. you. Thank you.
Yes. Uh, please forgive me. I've, I've tried that before, and um, it can be problematic <laughs> live on air. I, I know that's a bit of an entertainment factor um, for some people today, you know, but I just I can't do it. I'm also understanding the dynamics of divination in voodoo and in Ifa. Uh, Lukomi, Santeria, it's just too long and in-depth of a process to try to do it um, live on air and, and run a show and respond to my chat, you know, and, and navigate between between boards. So I just, I just don't do that anymore. Um, but I'm, I'm grateful for your listenership and your participation. I also want to talk about, um, if you will, the manifestation of spirit and spiritual phenomenon, even through objects. The traditional belief systems, spirituality, and faith of West African people has been described in more or less disparaging terms over the course of history, broad terms that fail to reflect the complexity and depth of these beliefs. Paganism and animism, Ancestral worship, idolatry, fetishism, heathenism, etc. Only by giving a belief system a proper name can a comprehensive, complex theology and cosmology emerge, along with a more nuanced and thorough comprehension. Religions are generally named after their founders, their gurus, their legendary figures who taught the core ideology. There would be no Christianity without the Jesus Christ, no Mohammedism or Islam without Muhammad, no Buddhism without Buddha. And although the traditional religions in West Africa have individuals and supernatural beings who contributed to the richness of their respective belief systems, each lack any identifiable founding figure. What they do each embrace is a main god, the God of gods, known by various appellations and names, which would hypothetically be used as a name for each religion as a whole. The Yoruba religion could conceivably be called Olodumareism, after their supreme god, Olodumare. Similarly, Ewe religion could be named Maoism. The Igbo or the Igbo religion, Chukwuism and the Mandi religion, Ngewoism. Yet, despite the various names different ethnic groups give to their individual pantheons of gods, and regardless of the widely divergent myths that accompany them, one region to another in West Africa, there are underlying, strikingly unifying core similarities between all of the traditional ATR-based religious systems and beliefs. A unique belief in a supreme being, distant, omniscient, omnipotent creator of the world. Secondly, an intermediate divinity or spirits who bridge the gap between God and man, Abbasan, Olosi, Orisha, Voodoo, spirits, as we say in Louisiana. Thirdly, ancestral spirits who watch over their descendants, 
And I often teach that our ancestors are indeed our first line of defense. Our ancestors, they exist in our blood. And then fourthly, magic or other spiritual forces that influence the lives of humans. And that's where it gets tricky, where, where we start seeing concerns about witchcraft and if somebody's working roots on me or, or someone is blocking or preventing my ability you know, to find love or, or to maintain my, my work environment or, or to maintain uh, my income. That is indeed where fetishes, dolls, ritual items, implements, recipes, spell work, you know, come into the conversation uh, as it relates to how we acknowledge spirit and mm-hmm. the spirit realm. So I want to talk a little bit more about that. Um, as well with with the little time we have um, remaining. So remarkably alike in their fundamental structure and essence could these traditional HCR regional belief systems be grouped, after all, under the all-inclusive term West African religions. We say HCR, traditional African-based religions. This question sparked debate when the singular term was first proposed, along with the inevitable follow-up question, should religion be plural? First question, um, should we group them inclusively under West African religion? Should we group them inclusively under ATR? Uh, and, And again, the second question, should religion be plural? Perhaps it is appropriate that both Olodomarius and Chukwuist be unified under the singular, overarching name, West African religion, just as both Catholics and Mormons, despite the divergences, are placed together within the brackets of Christianity, and both Sunnis and Shia within the same system of of Islam. There's even a valid argument to to be made for moving beyond the term ATR or West African religion to a a singular, broader term like African religion or Africanism, as proposed by uh, a a writer by the name of Lugira, L-U-G-I-R-A. And since the above unifying core elements are present in traditional religions throughout the continent, is it indeed to our benefit to continue to use generalizing terminology um, to sort of explain these, what I call, ethnic cultural traditions. And are we losing something by not acknowledging the airway, the Yoruba, the Igbo, when we say ATR? I think it's a great question, but I think overall, same ATR encompasses, just like you say, karate. Karate encompasses a, a main word, but inside of that main word holds the houses to any and all systems and methods of karate. But most people just know karate, kung fu, jiu-jitsu, whatever, as the main, the main words. So I think in each one, like Yaraba, Igbo, you're talking about two different cultures within Yaraba that their whole embodiment of spirituality, while they might 
expressive plus Chukwu as being the god there, Illuminati being the god for Yaraba. The way that they go about it in the in their in their path in their journey is 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 very different. So I don't know if you can really bring those together because in Nigeria. I forgot how many ethnic groups there are, but there are plenty of different right. ethnic groups that look at things and life very, very differently. 200. Very, very, 200? 200. 200. So each of those cultures may have some similarities, but of course they're going to have significant differences as well, even up to the language. You can have this over here and, uh, and they're speaking Igbo, and then over there, they're speaking Yoruba and not be able to really understand each other. And then down there, the Hausa, and, you know, down there, it's another language. So I say that we can fit things as a group under ATR because mm-hmm. the, the birthplace, the stemming place is Africa. But other than that, I think each one has their own individuality to a unique point that makes that their own entity to be called whatever name that they're called by. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I just, it's, it's hard to lump them because sometimes you don't want to really, if you look at Christianity, you look at Islam, and you look at Ifad, you look at Igbo, you look at these traditions, each one has their own separate uh, um, identity, their own uniqueness that brings them very much apart. I think that the thing that can link is principles. There are certain principles in each one of the traditions that allow for us to therefore be able to communicate if people are open for communication. So if my principle of of life is similar in this realm. Let's say in martial arts, we have five different martial arts. Karate, Kung Fu, Jiu-Jitsu, whatever else. Each one of them have common principles, but exemplified different. So I would say that spirituality has common principles that may be exemplified uniquely in each one of the traditions then that will allow that their names and how they go about the embodiment of that would bring about, uh, you know, the, the, the different name or the different perspective. But sometimes we have to look deeper and we've got to look at what's in the name. When we look at Islam, the, the state of the name is, you know, the, doing the will of God, right? The will of God. That is the embodiment of Islam. A Muslim is one who is willing to do, who, one who does the, the, the will of God, right? That's a paraphrase definition. But in essence, doing the will of God, submission to the will of God, one who submits themselves to do the will of God. That can encompass many. Just by the very definition of the name. But then going into the tradition is where you become different. You got five prayers a day. You have the different viewpoints from maybe Sunni 
to to others, you know, and then the nation has their own viewpoint. So therefore, the the very name though, the name Islam can encompass all. I've heard the minister say many times that, you know, he doesn't want to be labeled per se as as just this. He wants to be a child of God. So when you look at Muslim Islam, he he often says that Christians can be labeled as Muslims because if they're submitting themselves to do the will of God, then they're following the very definition of what Islam says. But but cousin, then how does that affect spirit and spiritual phenomena? Now I, I, I've had a, a, an extensive history with, with with Muslims, and they don't talk about spirit. Mm-hmm. Or spiritual phenomena a whole lot, not out loud. We know they they're aware of jinn. We, we know that the Quran speaks of jinn and other uh, disembodied or otherworldly uh, type uh, entities and and phenomenon. Um, like Christians, many of them believe those, you know, uh, events happened in the past somehow happened in antiquity you know, but don't necessarily identify them or, or, or recognize them today. Mm-hmm. But but they also share, uh, you know, a commonality about how they perceive what's wicked, yes. what's evil. Yes. Um, even the conversation of exorcism, it, it, it's still one that's prevalent among Catholics, mm-hmm. particularly here in Louisiana. Uh, mm-hmm. And there are indeed still churches in particular, you know, groupings of, of priests and practitioners who actively perform exorcism, even today in 2021. So, so mm-hmm. you know, I think, again, there's a vibrational pattern that people can fall into that is just religious. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and the whole world is just religious and, and based in the reality uh, of their book. Uh, for, mm-hmm. so to, for so to speak, but, mm-hmm. but when they experience spiritual phenomenon or, or even spirit, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes we we lose language for that. We don't see that being sort of spoken to outside of say mediums, psychics, voodoo practitioners, mm-hmm. you know, fortune tellers. We don't hear that as as much taught, mm-hmm. instructed from within the bodies of, of many of these organized uh, systems. Now, I, I lived with um, some Sufis for a time in my teenage year. It was very different with them. Um, they were very much aware about spirits and mm-hmm. gin and, and how spiritual phenomenon would take place. Sometimes we would go out in public together, and, and, and weird things would always happen when we were together spiritual phenomenon, um, then encountering a spirit, you know, someone who might otherwise appear to be intoxicated or, you know, mentally challenged, who, who would then suddenly break out into a conversation or a particular mm-hmm. language, and it would be well-organized, well-structured, almost like the scene out of Exorcist. Mm-hmm. Now you're dealing with a spirit. In my younger years as a practitioner, um, I, I was asked to clean houses, and particularly houses that might be haunted or have some kind of poltergeist activity 
or have some kind of demonic activity, which was the main concern that many of the people that sought me out um, to clean these houses would be looking for. So I did that in Chicago. I did that in in Milwaukee. Um, I did that in Los Angeles. And I indeed encounter and still encounter today um, not just spiritual activity, but also Mm -hmm. spirits and Mm -hmm. and spirits of, of many denominations from what you might categorize as a demon or a jinn to the mm-hmm. disembodied human to the mm-hmm. extraterrestrial footprint, um, which often shows up as phenomenon, you know, things opening and closing, things moving around. It's sometimes, you know, misinterpreted as ghost activity. And, and sometimes it's, it's, it's a contact with extraterrestrial activity. And, and, and transcending dimensional space, time portals, going back and forth um, into future. And I know I'm not the only one <laughs> who've had these experiences. I, I've, I've consciously had these experiences. I've uh, read and studied up and, and meditated on and, and, and really investigated um, particular areas of spiritual phenomenon looking for um Evidence, looking for, you know, an awareness of something beyond just ourselves. And I think sometimes in in the pop culture, we often attribute, you know, bad luck, you know, the bad event, the bad entity, you know, at at least the phone calls and the emails I'm getting, uh, something supernatural, if not to something spirit-oriented directly. And I know there's a residue of... Islam, Christianity, Catholicism, you know, that sort of keeps certain aspects of that that way of thinking alive. But I find that it's not compatible with true understanding of Ori. I find that it's not compatible with, you know, an authentic Labe Tet, you know, Mm -hmm. a series of ceremonies. Because Labe Tet Mm -hmm. is a series of ceremonies. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, once you are God, once you are the goddess, then we begin to see these experiences from a very different perspective. For me, mm-hmm. they didn't decrease or go away. They actually increased. But my awareness of what I was seeing, what I'm experiencing, what I'm looking at uh, evolved and, and, and matured over time. So I understood mm-hmm. over time that everything wasn't a demon or a gin. Mm-hmm. And just because it wasn't those those things doesn't mean that some spiritual phenomenon indeed is taking place. Mm-hmm. Our ancestors like to push forward spiritual phenomenon. And sometimes it's in dreams. Sometimes it's in, in, in memory, time, what I call time traveling, you know, going back and forth in your memory into the past, deeper into the past, then trying to understand, empathize, you know, with, with, those of the past, whether it be your grandparents, your great-grandparents. Uh, right now, Tulsa, you know, is on the tips of, of many people's tongues. So so not only looking at Tulsa, but looking at the black enclaves, you know, all over America that were under attack. Those were the lynching mm-hmm. years, if you all don't understand. Those were the lynching years. So many of us don't want to think about it. Just sit and think about it what they might have felt, where were they children, 
where were they elderly at the time when, when maybe their house was burning down or they had to flee? That invokes feelings. That invokes emotion. And, and indeed, yes, it will even invoke shadow work. But sometimes it will create spiritual phenomenon. And by doing so, your ancestors will begin to want to speak back and want to confirm some of your beliefs, will, will indeed show up in your dreams, show up in your, in your waking state. Listen, I've had coffee on my ancestral shrine crystallized, crystallized, just like rock candy, completely crystallized, no mold, no mildew. I'm serious, Oton. <laughs> completely crystallized oh, like rock crystal. I've had liquor do the same thing, completely crystallized. Now, sometimes it'll, it'll evaporate. Sometimes it'll get bubbles, but I've had it crystallized on, on the shrine. I put mm-hmm. produce on the shrine that went bad the next day, but I've also put produce on the shrine that lasted for weeks. Mm-hmm. I must answer the door. Talk among you. Got you. <laughs> I would say that one thing about um, with spiritual phenomena and things happening, it first also must be that person because everyone reacts to things differently. So mm-hmm. it's going to have to first be a person being willing to accept and actually acknowledge what's going on um, before anything else can happen because if they're getting messages or they and they have things happening and their ancestors are trying to reach out and they're dodging it, they're not acknowledging it, that in itself can also be a catalyst of causing more things to happen. It's because your attention is someone is keeping your attention and things are gonna to continue to happen and so that acknowledgement is there so that the work can actually begin so it can be known what it is that is desired, what work needs done and at what point it needs to begin. So that is something that also must be taken into account because without acknowledgement of what it is and what's going on first, there can be no willingness to seek it out and have understanding of what's going on or gain understanding of what's happening in that moment. So we always must be aware that, you know, there are things that may be happening or as Divine said, you know, show up with your dreams and, and that will absolutely happen. And we have to be willing to have that acknowledgement to accept what is happening, to acknowledge it so that we can move forward and gain what we need to gain from, from that contact. Mm-hmm. I think part of it is also sensitivity as well, right? You have to be sensitive in feeling the energetic differences sometimes that manifest with the spiritual uh, things, whether it, it's something small like, when we go and we do prayers and all of a sudden there's a weather change and we notice it continuously, we know then that spirit is with us, right? Or we go and we've completed doing some work and it begins to rain. In some instances, in some realms, people say that when it starts raining after doing that, that it's fully accepted and God is crying out of joy, Right? So there's so many things to be sensitive that we have to not just recognize, but we have to be sensitive as well to the energetic differences that happen around us. It could be even showing up in people. 
energetically showing up in people. When this and this happen, all of a sudden you see this person begin to act. Maybe they're happier, maybe they're sad, maybe they're crying, or it drew, it drew something out of that person. Well, you know, so the well, you know, they also used to say if it was raining when the sun was out, the devil was feeding his wife. <laughs> now, now, what might that the, the the root of that saying, particularly among our people, because I've never heard anybody white say that. It, it's always been our people, you know, who mm-hmm. sort of passed that down. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder what the root of that that saying, you know, was, where that came from. I, I don't know. I've really not heard that that one. That's a more really? of a down south one than it was up in New York. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. The, the, I hear that one in New York. Oh, yeah, the deep south, the deep south. Um, I know New Yorkers from Harlem. That that yeah, they're from the down south. Yeah. Say that. Yeah. Um, Yoel was also speaking in the chat about um, you know, Loa and and Arisha you know, showing up in your dreams. Um, for me, for me first, um, and maybe it's just a Virgo thing that I do. I, I, I don't know. But but I have to qualify when people approach me with, you know, well, it was a Orisha, it was a Loa. And, and, and when I say qualify, people whose only knowledge of Orisha and Loa come out of a book or what they see, you know, on the Internet, as, as opposed to someone who's, been through ceremony, initiation, had their head crowned, you know, had their head concentrated, consecrated to a particular, you know, Loa and Orisha. Their intimate relationship with that deity is going to create very specific signs within the dynamic of a dream, as opposed to someone who, you know, assumes, um, you know, a particular deity represents a particular thing, and then they see that in their dream. Now, it doesn't mean that the dream is not relevant, but I have to qualify first the person's relationship to the sign. Uh, and then secondly, you know, any deity could be coming through to whomever it will to speak a warning, to offer a gift, uh, to impart, you know, a, a message. And so, again, I say journal, journal, journal. Please keep a journal because sometimes it takes more than one dream, more than one vision, more than one experience that you have now documented where we get clarity about what something really means. I also also believe in the value of that, you know, we can call it a grimoire if you want to, that that magical book that is your journal is often your first proof that mm-hmm. spirit showed something to you, said something to you, and now you got it written down, you know, in ink or typed down, you know, on a document, and, and now you have some kind of validation, personal validation about our connection to spirit and spiritual phenomenon. I think God speaks in spiritual phenomenon, and so sometimes God will send us signs indeed. You know, we ask God to speak to us. We, we ask God to communicate with us. We ask God to, to you know, lead us, those of us who believe in God. Uh, but, again, our own belief system can prevent our ability from seeing certain aspects of, of that demonstration. And some of y'all would be fearful 
to be quite honest. <laughs> to be quite honest, you know, if, if an angel showed up, you know, wings and all, you know, some of you would go into a panic. You know, if if if, if Allah or Muhammad manifests, you know, fourth or fifth dimensionally, you know, in front of some of y'all, y'all would y'all would pass out, you know, and I think our inner fortitude also has a great deal, you know, our inner fortitude, um, our ability to dream, our ability to imagine. Some of you have lost that. Some of you have uh, have been broken down to where you don't imagine anymore. You have no imagination anymore. You can't find your creativity anymore. Some of you would have me to believe you can't find your happiness anymore. And, and, and I suggest that's an illusion. Someone has taken your telescope and, and moved it out of focus. Life has defocused your telescope. And so the prayer and the meditation and the chanting and, and listening to music and creating a sacred space um, not only brings about a degree of centering, but then opens up your consciousness. Um, cousin, do you know I got a request recently in the last week? Someone wants to have their gifts removed. Now mm-hmm. I haven't, I haven't responded because I don't know how. And beloved, if you listen to me right now, I don't know how to respond to that. Um, they claim they had a gift of tongues; they want it removed. They claim they had baptism. They they want that removed. Um, and, and my question is just, I'm stuck on why. Yeah, yeah. I'm stuck on why. Yeah. You know, and I've had people tell me, well, I know a gift runs in my family. You know, my grandma read or my mama read, but but, but I don't want mm-hmm. that. You know, um, I, I, don't, I don't want, you know, c- can you stop it? Can, can you take it away? Um, you know, my mother used to say as a child, and maybe she got it from her mother, uh, if you don't use it, you lose it. You mm-hmm. know, I, I, I've been playing the piano by ear since two or three years old. You know, but if I don't use it, you know, sometimes I sound a little rusty when I get back on the, on the piano. I, I miss a few keys, you know, and I, I, I got to – it's almost like uh, being an athlete. I'm sure my cousin would say, you know, if you just decide one day you're just going to not – follow your diet, you're going to stop going to the gym, you know, you're going to stop, you know, coming to practice, you know, your body is going to change. And so our spirit body uh, does the same thing. So some of us were never given the tools to interact with spirits, especially in the religious houses, because they don't teach that in the mosque. They don't teach that in the church. They don't teach that in the in the in the synagogue, in the in the quote unquote religious houses. How to deal with and interact with spirits mm-hmm. and spirits with an F on it, and then spiritual phenomena that might be showing up, you know, in our lives. Um, but you know, part of it is to I think part of that is to know the difference between spirit and religion. I think that the that there's a very big misnomer. Uh, especially in those that I find with church that think that religion and spirituality is the same and they lump them together a lot. And from my perspective, spirituality and, and religion are two extremely different entities that when I look at spirituality, it is that, that, uh, that God made entity within you. You are that. 
you are a spirit walking, a walking spirit. But when you talk about religion, you're talking about the fact of a man-made entity and a man-made perspective on what God has said and done and, and every, everything like that. So I think that some of what we talk about is the people mixing of what religion and spirituality means and is inside of them. What do you think about that? I absolutely agree. Uh, it, it's a segue into um, the question about Yemaya and drowning. Um, mm. You know, it's, I don't, and, 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 and Jennifer doesn't suggest, which I'm glad. I like the way you wrote it. She doesn't suggest whether it's a dream or a vision. Uh, she's just asking, can anyone speak on Yemaya and drowning? And the first thing that comes to my mind is, Olokun and, and access to the deeper consciousness. That and you know, we might have for some of us, it might be that in past generations, we've had others that have had bad encounters with water. I know in some, we have taboo. Some of us have taboo. But even entering in and going swimming, or especially going into the ocean, uh, any of that at the beach. I know people so, who won't cross a bridge in a car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right. So a lot of that is that, and some of it is, is, is divinely natured within us, that we are, when we're born, we automatically have that energy. When we see the water, I, I don't want to deal with that. So Yemaya is the top, what they, they say is the top of the water. They say that Olokun, of course, is the deep, deep, deep side of the water. So when we're dealing with with uh, the, the the thing of water, we're dealing with the possibility that we've had people or, or ancestors in our DNA line that one could have had bad experience, two could have been people that thrown themselves off the boat was thrown off the boat, whatever the case, or died on the boat, and then was thrown off thereafter, passing through Yamaya down all the way to Olokun, who preserves before she releases up to Olokun. So I think we just have to look at things, you know, uh, from, from a very diverse perspective when it comes to that. Because even when you're dealing with Yamaya, you're dealing with uh, um, Oshun, and you're dealing with Olokun, you might even, if you're initiated to those Orisha, you might have taboo to be eating seafood. Because that's part of their divine nature is the seafood. That's what they eat on. That's what they, you know. So according to your connection with, with, the, with that, that energy, with that Orisha, it, it then dictates certain things. Uh, that might be taboo or might have been through our generations in the, you know, in the past. And now, for us, we're reliving some of that energy and that fear, that trepidation, all of those things uh, in regard to, to dealing with that Orisha. I hope that makes a little bit of sense. I want to add also to what Baba Aloya was saying is, 
Um, in addition to that, a lot of the times when any one of us may have um, a dream per se about something that we perceive as bad, like the falling or the drowning or something, and the first thing in our, and usually in a person's mind would be thoughts of, of their peril. And it doesn't always mean that in the physical, just because it, it perceived that way, because in the human mind, we're like, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's over. It doesn't have to mean it could be the end of it. It represents the end of it. Or, or the, the end of a certain situation. It can be any number of things. But please keep in mind that when you have those experiences and when you have those types of things, it doesn't have to be in the, in the physical as you see it. It can mean a lot of different things. So it's always good to uh, seek out someone uh, reputable that you can speak to that can help guide you in those areas so that when you understand what they're experiencing and it doesn't promote um, the illusion of fear. Mm -hmm. So that is something to also keep in mind. So these things are happening uh, for you, not to you, and, and just know that it's good to speak to someone about that because it doesn't always have to mean exactly as you see it. It's, it's could be uh, a deeper meaning than, than what's being uh, presented. Another good aspect of what uh, Ia uh, Otun just said is also what is the the what does that Orisham kind of represent? What does Yemoya represent? It represents in one nurturing. It represents protection, right? She represents motherhood. Look at the, the, the aspects of what that Orisha represents and see in those, those aspects what maybe you need to do or you need to be changing, you need to be looking at in order for or what you're not doing for yourself in order to change life for the better. So it might be certain things that you are not doing that Orisha is telling you and giving you the message, this needs to end, and I need you to start doing these things in order for your health, in order for wealth, in order for children, in order for land, prop, whatever the case might be that you might be um, praying for or thinking about either consciously or subconsciously. Look at what the Orisha represents, and then you know, go into those things and see how that also enters and manifests in your life. Yeah, often. So that that is one way also to look at 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 the dream. What does it represent by the realm of that Orisha? Yes, and, and often these spiritual experiences come to show us something, teach us something. Uh, the, the spiritual phenomenon to, to reinforce something. Uh, and, and as my cousin said, it, it could be a violation of a taboo, particularly for someone who has a relationship with a particular uh, a deity. But when, when people, you know, sort of randomly have these experiences, um, they're often speaking a much broader message of, of change or transformation or even sometimes um, warning. Uh, learning to discern voices you know i hear more than one voice and i can discern that of, of god versus that of a spirit 
Aloha, Orisha, versus that of, of the dead. You know, it's, it's become sort of popularized to say, I hear, I hear the dead people, you know, but indeed I hear dead people um, in, in certain environments. It can be consciously brought about, but then there are the spontaneous moments, walking through the cemetery, walking through the French Quarter, you know, and hearing audible voices, often over time periods, decades earlier. Um, I think it was Craig that also talked about having some kind of premonitions or ideas of even future events. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've had an experience um, where I was taken into the future, um, several hundred years in the future. Uh, I was reborn in what we now consider Africa. America does not exist. Any idea of the third world and and destruction, um, my visions validate that. So there there will be a point where America will not be here. Um, It'll be uninhabitable uh, for quite some time. And then I'm reborn in the future in the continent, sort of in an enclave. Uh, at this point in the future, they are very familiar with spiritual gifts, psychic phenomenon, um, and so children are now sort of being separated by by vibrational fortitude, by, by vibrational mm-hmm. patterns. So mm-hmm. children with particular gifts in this future that I was shown um, are housed together, are educated together, um, and, and then are sent out to other regions of the world to do very specific jobs. So I've seen the future. Um, I've had alien contact. I think that's called um, of the fifth dimension. There's a list of dimensional contacts that you can have (laughs) with with an extraterrestrial. Um, And so I've been transported. Um, When I became conscious, I was on a ship. Uh, 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 extraterrestrial ship in a conference room-like setting with a oval, almost egg-like shaped table. And I'm at one end, and, and in the chairs around me, once I came into full consciousness, were indeed something otherworldly, something other than human. Um, and in that moment, I was so jarred by it. Um, I had that experience where you fall back in your body. I was, like, expelled, like, mm-hmm. immediately. But there was something about me that they feared. Uh, and, and, and I suspect that it, it, it's something that we all possess, you know, as a people on some level, that they found dangerous or, or threatening. Um, and in my show of emotion, um, it could have been just as frightful experience for them as it as it was for me. And being able to determine, is it a dream? Is it a vision? Is it a premonition? Is it a memory? Comes with a great deal of practice and mm-hmm. and repeat and keeping keeping a journal, keeping a, a detailed account uh, because we none of us are computers, you know, mm-hmm. save for those geniuses that might be listening among us, um, none of us are, are computers and can sort of remember and process all these uh, events and synchronicities and signs and, and sort of put them together in in one. Greetings, beloved uh, Arisha. 
in, in one moment in time space. So when we look at religion, um, writing has either been uh, revered or reviled, keeping track of, keeping books of. We know that there are Islamists burn books, burn mm-hmm. libraries. Uh, but we also mm-hmm. know other time periods you know, in, in, in culture where books and keeping a record were, were revered. Uh, the comedic people, ancient Egyptians, did a real good job of, of record keeping and mm-hmm. documentation. I don't think anyone can truly say that they have any navigational skills, you know, in, in the spirit realm without documenting, recording, keeping track of, taking note of patterns. Some of you are really good at keeping note of astronomical patterns and astrology and and what's moving around in the sky, you know, uh, but, but but also keep track of what's happening on Earth, you know, and how, how things are manifesting and, and responding to um, often the spiritual phenomenon and even the spirit um, is, is coming for our own good, particularly in my environment of all is a blessing. Uh, it, it's never to harm me or, or create some kind of negative response with me. And, and even when that is projected at me, um, I have the skills and the tools to sort of transmute even that energy is something that, that works in my favor. So I don't, you know, it's been decades since I've had anything uh, more frightful to me than that encounter with extraterrestrial. Um, I never had an encounter with, with a demon, a jinn, um, a ghost that gave me the same level of fear, you know, and, and I might be unique. Um, I don't know. I might be unique. Even as a child, um, you know, we found imagination frightful. You know, we used to like to watch horror movies and scary stuff, particularly stuff that we know that my mother didn't particularly care for. Cause my mama don't like horror movies. My mother's mother didn't like horror movies. Uh, but she would, you know, as mamas will do, you know, depending on the level of horror, you might decide to sit down with your kids and, and monitor, you know, what, they, you know, what they're watching. And occasionally we'd, we'd get a movie that was a little bit much. You know, I can remember a time when, um, you know, every light in the house was off. We're in the basement of the house. You know, you know we had like a den or family room in the basement. Uh, watching this horror movie, uh, and then doors start opening and closing. You know, in the house, um, and it happened on more than one occasion. It happened once with you know with my mom. It happened another time with, with my older sister Teresa was was visiting us. You know, and and we are able with our minds and our imagination. We tend to discredit imagination. I, I see imagination mm-hmm. as a divine gift, a divine skill, a divine tool. And your imagination, indeed, is your gateway to the spirit realm, your ability to see and perceive something beyond, you know, your reality. So even in the watching of the horror movie, you know, we can work ourselves up, you know, to, to a particular fear level, you know, and, and just, the, you know, the broom falling over in the kitchen. And, okay, mm-hmm. so everybody jumps. You know, they think something's in the house. But I think that we do open up doorways by doing these things. We do open up portals, and some are better at it than others, um, consciously, and some are are spontaneously more fine-tuned to it than others. 
You don't necessarily want it to happen, but it keeps happening. It keeps following you. Uh, another synchronicity or pattern, um, many of the most, well, not many, but a great deal of major tragic events have gone on across the country that mm-hmm. mirrored my movement. Mm-hmm. And many of you know when I was young, I didn't stay anywhere very long. So six months, a year, I might be in another state, I might be in another city, but somehow I'm in L.A. with the Rodney King, you know, happening. Somehow I'm in D.C., you know, with Muhammad, you know, and adopted son were shooting and targeting people. Uh, I'm in New Orleans, you know, when Hurricane Katrina comes, you know. And so it's easy to, depending on your perception, see these things as a negative. And indeed, there's a relative truth about the negative energy attached, you know, to these events. But I've also come to see the gift, the power, the way energy moves, you know, and has moved in my life and in my experience, you know, in association to what others might say, oh, wow, that's a tragic, you know, event. Oh, your story, you know, it's just a profoundly, you know, tragic. And without my story, without those experiences, without those events, I, I indeed would not be who I am in this moment in time space. I indeed would not be here, you know, to be Divine Prince and Blue Chief and Medicine Man and, and provide a service in a way that I could assist people um, who are experiencing spirit, movement, and spiritual phenomenon, you know, in, in their lives at this moment. Uh, sometimes we're under pressure. You know, things get bad. You know, health, relationship, career. Uh, to some degree, we've all been sort of forced through a, a funnel of truth in the last year, you know, by way of the p- pandemic. It's something about pressure, heat and pressure, that creates the diamond that is humanity. It's something about us being under intense pressure that can often bring out some of our best skills and abilities, or even shine light to some of our skills and abilities, which we overlook or neglect or don't see in the routine, you know, as routine as some of our lives are, you know, every day. And so it's easy to sort of walk around in life monotone and not in stereo, and now not in digital, and now not in, you know, what is it, uh, 5G, <laughs> you know, and miss some of the messaging, miss some of the imagery that ancestors are trying to demonstrate for us, God is trying to demonstrate for us, the Loa and the Orisha are trying to demonstrate for us, and some people believe even extraterrestrials are responding more to us now out of urgency, out of desperation, you know, the constant threat that we might blow ourselves up. What's going on in the Middle East and in, in, in Israel and, and among the Palestinians and, and, and the Jews and the Christians and the Americans, for that matter, who are deeply involved in that mess. You know, some say that, you know, that power and technology that we now have at our access mirrors times in history like Lemuria like Muir, like Atlantis. And in all those legends, you know, it is said that the misuse of power, the misuse of energy, 
the misuse of magic and vibration led to the downfall of those civilizations, according to the authors, according to the historians. So, so we all live in an experienced spirit each and every day. We all live in an experienced spiritual phenomenon each and every day. But to what degree your third eye is open, to what degree your ori is open, to what degree your heart is open, because your shadow work can prevent you from seeing spirit, can, can prevent you from hearing spirit, you know. And, and we force, you know, the ancestors to really do cartwheels and acrobatics and set shit on fire and, and you know, push us over before we hear, you know. And so spirit phenomenon can also be fostered by that inability or ability to hear. And so some of us are real sensitive, and it don't take much for me. I often hear it, smell it. I ain't got to see it, you know, but often I will, but, but it don't take much. And then others, you know, you're a little bit more skeptical. You want God to show up in flesh and blood and, and then perform miracles. And, and, and doesn't that magical book say that? <laughs> you know, in the last days, they'll... They'll ask for miracles and, and such, and, you know, they'll want some kind of magical demonstration, you know, when we've been living the magical demonstration all along. I mean, if you don't understand, this whole mix of spirit and flesh and humanity, and this is magical. You know, according to the numbers, we shouldn't be here. According to the numbers, this planet shouldn't be positioned at the exact angle to get the right amount of sunlight, to not burn it up, to not burn up what water we have, to allow humanity to flourish. And, and we're foolish enough to think it's isolated events. We're foolish enough to think that it's just us. You know, I like to say just us in place of Jesus. I like to say just us. It's really just us. But we are God. We are stardust. We are having an inter- and intra-dimensional reality each and every day. Some of us are just more surrendered to it, humbled to it. I think I was taught Islam meant surrendering to God, you know, a certain degree of prostration and humility, you know, before <laughs> God. And that has its place, you know, in, in spiritual growth. But then there's also a place of just, as we mature, just being now aware, you know, that God or the goddess speaks to whom they will, through what they will. And, and so, too, will the spirit realm speak. And, and it's not always to frighten us, to scare us, you know, to, to create negative, you know, consultations. You know, many of the sort of uh, tricky language that we like to use around Lake Vibes and Eshu. You know, and now, one of the things to consider also, there's a lot of the, the traditions that look at African spirituality with disdain because of their perspective of our, uh, our what, what we have as Orisha, what, what we might have as Loa, and looking at it as idolatry and all of that. Not realizing that even within their own traditions, they still utilize some of the same things in the same way. 
even when they go into ritual. So we look at some of their perspective of, of what they feel about us. I look at it like every whatever Sunday, first Sunday, third Sunday, whatever it is, when they go through the ritual of the uh, sacrificial uh, thing, you know, and, and they're drinking the blood and they're... Fifth you know, Huh? Fifth Sunday. Fifth, okay. The that fifth happened Sunday. on the fifth Sunday. Yeah, fifth Sunday of the month. <laughs> and when they do that, and they're, they're taking the blood and the and and the, the body, the flesh, and all of that. What greater way to to share Ebal? That's Ebal. It, it's 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 straight out Ebal. You're you are honoring the Ebal that Christ made in regard to his people to change and to 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 build and to whatever the case might your your thought process might be behind it. So I think and, and even when Christianity when we're and Islam when we're talking about uh the whole thing of ancestral veneration. I I it is my particular belief Yes, Orisha, communion. That's correct. <laughs> and so when we're talking about uh, their, their speaking of those names in the Bible, prophets and all of that, they don't take under the perspective that they're speaking and following ancestral veneration. They're honoring and celebrating the contributions that those people did while walking the face of the earth. When they are going to altar, just that word alone, when they hear altar for traditional African spirituality, it's, they, they feel that there should be no altar, yet they go to the altar for prayer. So just in the utilization of their own vernacular, it says, it, it shows that in essence, they are doing much of the same. Look at how our ancestors changed church. Look at how our ancestors changed the music. They were going from a more European, I want to say symphonic type of music, to the embodiment of the growth and development of the the, the gospel music from the spirituals, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So from the spirituals into the gospel music, from the gospel music then that took with, with W.C. Handy and Thomas Dorsey and then growing into yeah. uh, James Cleveland, from James Cleveland into Andre Crouch and the Hawkins family up into uh, wow. the, the... Huh? Winans. The, yeah, the Winans and, and the short brother that, that everybody knows, uh, Kirk Franklin, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So all of the different growth of genres within our community. So I just say that, that we have to really, really be mindful that when people are looking at what we do in African traditional spirituality as evil, that they have to they have to look at their own mirror. They have to look at their own mirror to see that they are following in much of the same suit. 
Exactly, Arisa. She said, when I was a little girl in church down south, they used to sing a song, The Power is in the Blood. And mm -hmm. I remember even here, my mother being in church, they absolutely would sing that song because it would be the power in the blood, the healing in the blood, anything else they would speak of, you know how they would change it up and remix it in church. And mm -hmm. everything was all about the blood. Jesus bleeding and you know it, it really as an empath 
and, and, and the child that was gifted at such a young age, it took me out of my body, literally, when they would go into, you know, sort of those ceremonies. And, and I wouldn't, often would not participate. Um, I would pull back. And, I, and I'm going to admit something I've probably never said before. I think being a minister of music afforded me an opportunity to pull back and not be in the midst of it. Because I'm on the piano. I'm on the organ. <laughs> you know, I, I'm beating the tambourine. I'm keeping the rhythm. I, I'm, I'm maintaining the music. And, and we do the same thing in voodoo. And, mm-hmm. and even if you watch a voodoo ceremony, you've been to a voodoo ceremony, sometimes the drummers are, are somewhat disconnected from the dancers and the performance. Sure. They're maintaining rhythm. Uh, each drummer has, has, might have a different rhythm, a different pattern that, that they first have to focus on. Uh, and then you get in that and you sort of lose yourself. And, and a part of your mind goes. And, and, you know, I'm, a, I'm the bell person. I'm the voodoo mm-hmm. guy. So I, I like the bell, you know, the various uh, West African, Togo, Benin, uh, the bell. I'm the bell guy. And the bell is often the lead in a voodoo ceremony, particularly for the drummers. The mm-hmm. bell has to keep the rhythm. The, the bell has to be sharp on the point. So my, my whole body gets into that, you know, like an athlete. You know, and, and I'm maintaining a rhythm, and, and my breathing gets even and balanced, you know, and slows a little bit. And then my mind goes. And sometimes it's, you know, out here in, in the crowd and with the dancers and, and even with the drummers. But then other times I'm, I'm up above. Sometimes I'm over the trees in Congo Square, where in my mind the Iyami and Oso exists. And, and sometimes there are other flying things, you know, in, in that space. Someone asked me in another forum um, just now um, about fear of spirit and spiritual phenomenon and then mental health. And, mm-hmm. and what, they, what they mean by that is, you know, they're suggesting that some people fear meditation, trance, voodoo possession, out of fear that they might lose their mind, if not lose themselves. And, and, and how do we, if, if we all have had that level of experience, um, how do we confront that? How do we deal with that? Um, for me, it came out of practice. Early mm-hmm. on, there's that fear element. Early mm-hmm. on, there's that feeling that, okay, I'm going to die, or I'm, you know, so far off that I might not get back into my body. And through repetition, um, I overcame that fear. Um, and, and even if that were to transpire, I don't think I would be fearful, you know, mm-hmm. in, that, in that moment. Well, I think that uh, a lot of us, mental health and, and spirituality, it's a good, uh, that's a good topic for a whole show as well as we spoke about mental health and worry and all that uh, previously, you know, a lot of that is what your alignment and your attunement is about, you know, because, yes, many people are, sp- are scared of their own spiritual gifts. They don't understand them. They, they have no reference point for what these gifts represent, what they mean, how to approach them. And then for some, unfortunately, 
you got uh, spiritual leaders that they don't understand either, to be honest with you. They, they put on a, a, a show like they do, but they, they don't really have an understanding of how to guide a person into manifesting and growing and evolving in their spiritual uh, uh, gifts. So a lot of people take on this thing that if they allow the spiritual gifts to manifest within them, that there's something wrong with their thinking or something wrong with the way that they're acting, something wrong but not taken into account of spirit manifesting through them in the way that spirit desires to do. Now, if it elongates and holds on for an extended period of time, then yes, maybe you need to, to get some things checked out, I mean, to be perfectly honest. But if it's in the confines of, of, of worship, whether it's church, whether it's, you know, and, and, and what we do in, in, spiritual, in African spirituality, then for some, there's a sensitivity to, to receive, uh, to be uh, uh, possessed. Some a lot easier than others. And there's some Orisha that are not meant to be possessed, while other Orisha, there is a, a meaning you, you have to be possessed in order to show that you have the, the level of connectedness with the Orisha. So, you know, I don't know if I answered the question other than to say that we've got to uh, be okay with feeling uncomfortable with, with the the newness uh, of, of spiritual gifts and, the, and its development within us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think peer pressure plays an uh, unfortunate role in the process. You know, what will my mama say? What will my friends and them say? What, what will my church members say? And one of my earliest memories was being in a black Baptist spiritualist church. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they had shouting, but they didn't have speaking in tongues. Mm-hmm. Speaking in tongues was considered an evangelical thing. And so we went and visited another church in the community. You know, had a had what they call a grand time, had a high time, which usually meant the gospel music was good and people shouted and, you know, came out of their wig. That's usually what, you know, that, that meant in this <laughs> In this particular environment, it, it wasn't like any prosthetic, pro, you know, word was coming through. It's not like healing was happening. Um, just, you know, the shout and, and then, you know, the, the ushers coming in and circling you in and fanning you down. And, you know, it was, it was a demonstration to me as a kid. So we went and visited this church, this real popular church that was known for, you know, good singing and, and you know, some outside choirs came, and there was some good singing. And this one sister went into the shout, and she spoke in tongues. And it was like the air left the room in that moment. And and here come the white nurses and, and the ushers in white, you know, to fan her down, to sit her down. Uh, I later on learned that was an attempt to sort of short-circuit spirit to sort of circumvent something that that was really natural. Um, Evangelicals have their own definition of that, but that's my definition, you know, of of that sort of act of encircling them, quieting them down, as opposed to what we do in voodoo, which is to allow full possession to come through 
to identify what the Bible say, identify the spirit, know if it's of, of God. We do the same thing in voodoo. We identify the mm-hmm. spirit. And so we know it's, if it's of God. We know if it's a useful spirit. We know if it's not. And so all spirits are not allowed to possess, as my cousin just said, nor should they be attempted, mm-hmm. you know, in possession. But in a free-for-all like religious setting, which is how I saw that as a kid, anything is coming through. You got people shouting all over the church, you know, with various degrees of, of commitment to the same ideal belief. Church doesn't require initiation necessarily, other than the right hand of God and, and, and the baptismal mm-hmm. process. But there's no real training there about spirit, what that is. Uh, as a child, I'm speaking as a child now, you know, people just start shouting at will. People just start babbling and, and, and eventually speaking tongues at will. There was like no class for that because mm-hmm. I looked for it as a child. I, I imagine, okay, are they mimicking each other? You know, is, is there a class that I don't know about where they teach people how to do this? You know, and as I, I got older and more knowledgeable, I, I realized, okay, it's a spontaneous event. And, yes, there are people who are mimicking. Yes, there are people who are going through, through, through the emotions. But even as a child, the hair on my arms would stand up when it was real, mm-hmm. when it was real. And even now as a voodoo practitioner, I, I don't negate the power of the Holy Spirit to move. You know, we, we just call it by another word. In our in our tradition, we just identify uh, by a different spirit. Um, uh, I agree, uh, absolutely. Because also having a background in the church, that is pretty much how it was. Also, um, growing up being in um, the church that my mother was in, I will also speaking to the fear when they said of, of having certain experiences or certain gifts. I will say this. Um, it can be um, a scary experience. It can be particularly so for those who did have or did recognize their gifts when they were young um, and were unfortunately in an environment where not only were those gifts recognized, but they, but they were perceived incorrectly. Um, it, as in like work with the church, um, I will share that I have, I, I don't like using that sixth sense word, you know, the IC dead people thing. Um, but we would have people transition in our family, and I would usually have a dream. I would see them within a, a week or two of them transitioning. And as a child, it was very frightening. What's even more so is for that to be misunderstood because in, in the church, that was something that was an absolute no-no because when you transition, that's it. You either go to heaven or you go to hell. That's what some of, some of them believe, a lot of them. It's either you go to heaven or you go to hell. Anything on the in-between is a demon and something trying to get you, and, and basically that's what it was. It, it was. it was perceived as that, and then that's the narrative that was pushed. And a lot of the times that can be very detrimental, especially with young people. Um, not having a full understanding and then having that non-understanding intensified by adding an element 
uh, or losing a fear to that by saying this is not what this is, this is bad, this is what this means, this is something that, you know, something coming to get you, in essence, like putting a non-existent boogeyman in the child's head. So it's something that, you know, it's different areas that everybody would need to work through. I would encourage anyone going through that, like I said, that to have a talk with someone that you can have in that capacity. And if you need to see someone, as I said, absolutely. A lot of the things that people go through that we may see or we may hear about with people in their mental health is, is actually coming because of spiritual things happening and they're not understanding. And they're not having the strength and the presence of mind or that connection with that or to make sense of it or to make life or gain that understanding so that it can function within those messages and within the capacity in which their gifts are showing up. And sometimes that's hard. So you, it's a lot of those things. So absolutely, it's nothing wrong with mental health. It's good to have someone to talk to. It's always to have a therapist because a lot of the times having that will give that medium, that, that, that balance that's needed to maneuver as gifts because some people have gifts. They notice them when they're young. Some things happen when they're older. And it's good to have therapy. It's good to have that balance so that there is clarity, so that there is calm as these things are realized, as they're uncovering themselves. And I, I encourage that for anyone because I, I've had those issues. And I'm still working through a lot of that stuff today. So it, it's definitely something that needs to be discussed. Do not be afraid, ashamed, or anything like that. I've been to plenty of prayer meetings as a child, slide it down with grief and prayed over and, and all of that stuff because of uh, of my gifts and the things that I, I spoke up about. And sometimes that can be extremely traumatic. So mm. please reach out to those that you feel like you can talk to. Get that in, get the information. If you need to be connected to a therapist, get that. So there's nothing wrong with none of that. If anything, it will enhance your skills and your understanding to be able to function better in your life the way that you need to in your day to day. Everybody's situation is different, but I absolutely encourage that. Some can't afford to do uh, the therapist, but we also have life coaching or spiritual coaching. And so Otun, in her humbleness, sometimes forgets to share now that she has her own life coaching, spiritual coaching uh, ministry. So you know, for those that might be interested, all three of us have our ministry. And so feel free to reach out. Uh, uh, Otun now has her her anchored in grace. Um, uh, life coaching ministry, honored, honored in grace, uh, her, her life coaching, spiritual coaching, and business coaching ministry. So reach out to any of us, you know, uh, for for any type of, assistance on that besides you know uh uh divine prince and myself of course we also do the e readings and the, the uh the readings and stuff like that so you take advantage of all that you can you know we have listeners from all around the world and we're available so i agree and and by all means Journal, journal, I can't say that enough, journal, write down your experiences, write down your visions, write down the spiritual phenomenon that takes place, you know, in your reality. It'll make mm-hmm. it so much easier for not just yourself to understand it, but any practitioner that you might reach out to, you know, to have something already well-documented, mm-hmm. you know, well-structured, 
that we can look at and help you to sort of uh, discern and decipher, you know, what, what's happening, what, what's being presented, uh, why something is um, uh, taking place. Um, cousin, I couldn't get it any bigger. Okay, no problem. Then what but for, for those that are interested, that might want to uh, be a part, I'm doing a guided meditation uh, in the energy of Alicia uh, coming up on Friday, uh, Friday morning. And if you guys want to have more information, uh, you can give me a, a text or a call. Uh, the email I put in the, the uh, yes, uh, just pulled up. Feel free to, to uh, email me or to text me, and I'll give you the information. It's an early morning Friday uh, event. Uh, we're going to do it on Zoom. So, uh, you know, you'll have an opportunity to, to be a part of that if you so desire. And then if we have enough interest, it might be something that I continue on uh, through our temple for those who might who find that, uh, that the guided meditation to assist them and to help them and to, to find peace. And, you know, as well, our temple will be growing with different things coming up as well. So, you know, we, we invite you to be a part of the guided meditation. It's a little bit different in that we're doing it through an ephod view and in an ephod perspective, but I'm looking forward to it and blessing those who, who, who will be there to, to take part. Thank right. you for the time to share. Absolutely, no problem. And I know we um, sometimes push an Otan out there. <laughs> Almost like a, a, a show mama pushing her little, her little girl out on stage. <laughs> Sing pretty now, baby. <laughs> Don't forget to smile while you, you know. Yeah. But um, that, that's how it works, honey, and it's in the blood. It's in the family line, you know. So just get with the program. You know, uh-huh. we're, we're all here to do work, ultimately. We're all, all here to do work. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes we, you know, personalize our journey. You know, I'm on my journey. I'm working through my stuff. And we forget the value of working with others, you know, even in our own healing. Uh, it's, it's a therapeutic process for me every time I do a divination. You know, I'm connecting on a personal level. And, and you would want that from a practitioner. I'm connecting mm-hmm. on a personal level, an emotional level, an empathic level. Now, an empathetic level, you know, to every request, you know, that comes across the board. And they're not for entertainment. You know, 99.9% of the people, you know, who come to me come for really serious concerns. You know, and that reminds me, you know, I want to acknowledge my prison ministry. I, I don't acknowledge you all enough, you know, for obvious reasons. I don't want to reveal anything about anybody, tell where anyone is, you know, our imprisoned brothers and sisters sometimes got to go through some maneuvering to have, you know, contact with the outside world. But I'm grateful for you, and I'm here for you. Uh, And the families, you know, who are fighting through, you know, with with sons and daughters who are, are incarcerated, 
you know, mm-hmm. caught up in the system, you know, fearing large amounts of time, you know, away from their families, you know, and, and, and their children. We don't acknowledge them enough. And, and so and Black Lives Matter and commemorating Tulsa, you know, we're also commemorating those family members, those community members, you know, who are caught in the system. You know, in some cases, it can be another form of death. You know, you, you're absent, out of, out of sight, out of mind sometimes. You know, and it's easy for them to feel isolated, you know, and sort of entrapped in that reality. So I'm, I just want to acknowledge you. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for the mothers, the fathers that reach out to me, know that you have my eternal support, and that, that you're not in this, this battle, you know, alone. And yes, let's commemorate Tulsa and the events of mm-hmm. Tulsa, the massacre, the terrorist attacks that took place in, in, in Tulsa and subsequent communities by mm-hmm. further educating ourselves. And, and not just about this, because it's, you know, in the, in the front of the media today, but those black enclaves all over America, Rosewood, Kirkwood, you know, Many of those cities had wood in the name for some reason, you know, but acknowledge those towns, those communities, you know, that didn't survive, you know, or, or, or just left the Senate to, to rebuild and become who we all are today. We must be activists and not just magicians and soothsayers and practitioners. We must be activists. And some of you are activists in, in nutrition. nutrition. Some of you are activists in health and wellness. Some, some of you are activists in legality, in administrative documents, in how to organize your business. You know, those people exist in our community. I got some powerful people in my community, accountants, people who know how to write grants, people who, who can help you, you know, self-employed individuals, get your paperwork together. You know, because if you're legitimate, you got to have your paperwork together. You got to pay taxes. You got you got to have you know a, a record and account, you know of, of what you do and how you're doing it. You know it's real easy and bending to kind of just take cash and stuff it in your pocket and you know mm-hmm. not necessarily keeping documents or your inventory. But we're in a new day now, you know, and many of us are now self-employed and operating from our computers and from our homes and, and from our sacred spaces. So let's do the work. Let's reach out to those in our community that can help us to improve on the work. And I'm going to bid you all adieu. We're almost 15 past the hour. Um, I'm grateful, always grateful for you all showing up, especially for my cousins for showing up, because sometimes I don't even know what I'm going to talk about. (laughs) It's in the last minute, you know, and they still find a way into the conversation, and I'm humbled by that. Uh, I, I try to get it as early as I can, but sometimes it's a struggle, you know, and I'll be begging spirit, you know, what am I supposed to be talking about today, you know, and sometimes it comes after midnight, so forgive me for that. But um, I'm grateful, and I look forward to connecting with you all again here at high noon, U.S. Central Standard Time, for more revolutionary hoodoo, New Orleans food, secrets, of, and recipes. All is truly and indeed a blessing. I think I began to ramble there for a minute at the end. <laughs> I forgot what I was even talking about. Yeah. I just knew I had to stop. 
Yeah. Okay, if you don't start letting people know about your business, okay, I'm, I'm all right. And let me say the other part to it, because I kind of leaked it a little bit, suggested it. And, and if I'm out of my place, please tell me, you're out of place to mind your business. But I feel that, because I experienced it, it's a little bit of fear. Because indeed it means now i got to let people into my space, into my circle, into my feelings. Because in a way, we are letting people into our world, even if it's virtual. You know, even if it's on camera, even you know, we're still letting them into our space. And, and for me, early on, I had apprehension about that. And and that's what I meant when I say, you know, it's a therapeutic process for me every time I deal with somebody, because you got to deal with you. You can't give what you ain't got. And 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 if you're processing things naturally through your own cipher, and then expelling that, projecting that out upon your client then no matter what they're coming to you about, it's about you. Even if they don't know it, in, inside, it, it's about you. Well, well, how am I standing up in this? How am I dealing with this? What would I do if, you know, these are questions that I ask myself. Um, I, I am a, just a little bit older than you, a few days older than you. You know, I've seen it mature. I've seen it grow over the years in terms of how I respond to that. So I'm not quite as anxious anymore. I'm not quite as frightful. Now, I'm not cocky. I never get to, oh, I got this. I can read anybody. I don't care what they come to me with. You know, I've never gotten to that place. I don't know if I ever will because I don't think that's real because it's not us. We we are vessels. Mm -hmm. We, We are tool by which the spirit flows through us when we're in balance. And, of course, that includes diet, getting plenty of rest, getting exercise, taking mm-hmm. your spiritual baths. Taking mm-hmm. your, you know, we have to take more baths than other people. We have to. We have to cleanse more than other people because mm-hmm. of the energy that we're dealing with. I, I can take three or four baths in a day, seriously. Not just you'll get up in the morning and be clean, but I'm dealing with people that's talking about demons and gin and 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 getting 40 years in prison, and, and, and the mama is in a breakdown, and, 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 and the woman that thinks somebody put magic on her vagina, and, you know, just craziness, craziness. Yeah, I, yeah, somebody put witchcraft on her. It's making her labia swell. She desperately wanted to fly in, drive in. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> This is this by this by email now. Uh-uh. No, no. Wait a minute. I Allow me to yeah. consult my elder women. Don't don't you get on the highway, don't you come here. That's what I had to tell her. Let let me consult the elder women before you make a move. And of course yeah. you know, between Denise and Nadja, they okay, we'll talk to her. She never did. Mm-hmm. So therefore I never let her come here. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of stuff I would have loved to have gotten into. Was mm-hmm. that a demon? Was it somebody trying to bring witchcraft to my house? You know, you can't just say, oh, oh I'm reading everybody. I'm doing cards on everybody. That ain't real. Mm-hmm. That ain't mm-hmm. real. And if they're operating in it 
sincerely, you're passing all that energy over time through your body. That's right. And so you and I are sensitive. We're similar in that regard. Don't don't let my articulation and my ability to speak for two hours fool you. It's one of the least things I like to do. I'd rather be quiet. I'd rather not have people in my house. I'd rather not go anywhere. And so it's an effort for me to get up, to interact. Okay, let me go out here and be in the community because that's my job. Let, let let me show up to this event because I ain't been in a year, you know. <laughs> let, let me go to this family barbecue at least this time so they can say I showed that's, that's the real me, seriously. That's the real me. So I'm very fine-tuned to your faith because I relate. So, you know, when we kind of push you out there like that, I feel that. So if I'm wrong, just tell me I'm wrong. But, yeah, it's going to be some work. Yeah, you're going to have to keep notes. Yeah, you're going to have to document. Yeah, you're going to have to make extra time now to find some quiet space. You know, you already have to do that when you have children. When they sleep, you know, at, at two something in the morning, but then you want to be asleep, you know, but, but spirit mm-hmm. might wake you up. Spirit mm-hmm. might have you up, you know, doing your best. Oh, that's that's doing your that's yeah, doing your meditation. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I get it. I do. And You're not I, wrong. I, I, need, I, I do need that place. And I don't, I, and I'm, I'm scared. Okay. <laughs> I'm scared. Push you right on them. <laughs> Push it on out there. Oh, it, it just, it's 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 just, what you're seeing is years of acting and performing. Seriously. You're seeing years of me having mm. to be in the front of the church, having to be on the piano, having to be at the mic. You're just seeing years of me acting and performing. Because the real me is much more regret mm-hmm. than, than what you're seeing here. But, and let me offer you this, that clear boundaries. Be sure you set clear boundaries. One of my boundaries is I rarely answer my phone. Rarely. If my mom is going to call, she's going to text me first and say I'm about to call. Yes. But I ignore every other ring unless it's a special ringtone. My mama, one of y'all, I'll answer mm-hmm. y'all's call. But, but for the most part, I don't answer calls, especially random unknown calls. Because it's almost automatically going to lead to, well, let me tell my story. Nope, boo, I don't have to, I can't do that right now. Let, mm-hmm. let me schedule you. Well, what does that entail? How much does that cost? Beloved, I don't charge. I ask for a donation. I, then I got to explain. And if I did that, every time my phone rang, I would be on the phone all day. Mm-hmm. So my voicemail is very clear. Contact me by email. I'm, I'm, my office skills for my past life stand up in this. I'm well documented. Email email addresses. I've got form letters. My my greeting letter. My what kind of service they want. 
Every question they've asked me, I got a form response to it already. And when that unique person comes through and asks something out of the ordinary, I tweak my work so that if that ever comes up again, it's already covered. It's mm-hmm. already in the document. How much, how to do it, how to but do it. But I definitely got to just ask. Yeah, just, just you got to set clear boundaries. You know, um, and, and then they have to allow me 24 hours, 48 hours, set, you know, because you have children. Set a time frame. You know, I, I will respond to you within a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. Usually I'm going to respond within eight hours, usually. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. in words, I ask them to give me at least 48 hours to respond. Mm-hmm. So if they don't make you look better. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, it gives you time to breathe. Because mm-hmm. once people start contacting you, you know, just like a store, people coming in and out, you know, people coming in and out randomly from a store is one thing. People coming in and out of your virtual office is something else. Mm-hmm. And it requires more of you. So you want to be in control of that. People say, oh, well, you're open 24 hours. I am by appointment. Mm-hmm. By appointment. And often people have scheduled their appointments days, sometimes weeks, and even months ahead of time. Um, it's overwhelming, mm-hmm. beloved. I don't brag about it. I don't talk about it, especially in social media, because too many people would feel some kind of way about it. Mm-hmm. My, my phone rings over 300 times a day. A day. Damn. A day. A day. And so, I wouldn't say I want to be like you, but not at 300 people a day. You got to have set boundaries. Yeah. You got to have rules. Otherwise, it will be overwhelming. And, and people do feel like, oh, well, it's 3 o'clock. Let me call this phone number. And they call, and it goes straight to the voicemail, straight to the voicemail. And that message is consistent in all of my platforms. By appointment mm-hmm. only, make your email address readily accessible all time. Make it readily visible mm-hmm. all time. To remove mm-hmm. any question that somebody might have about what you do, how to reach you, how to mm-hmm. contact you, and make it consistent on all of your social media platforms. Now, the office part is, is a job. It's going to feel like a job sometimes, answering all them emails, checking in all your social media. I'm looking at your face now, checking in all your social media platforms, you know, but I send all those people to my email address, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I can do four, four divinations in a day comfortably. An average consultation is going to be about two hours with me, an hour and a half, two hours. Um, mm-hmm. You have to acknowledge your value. I don't do $5 readings. I don't do $20 readings. I don't mm-hmm. do $3 readings. My most basic consultation is $150. Mm-hmm. Now, at first, people say, oh, that's high, until people actually went through that experience. Mm-hmm. And then people say, oh, oh, my God, you're worth so much more than this. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and after mm-hmm. I overwhelm them with that information and that history and that teaching, because I'm teaching while I'm reading, mm-hmm. um, no one is having a problem with this. But it mm-hmm. took years of practice. I went from 60 to 75 and and then the requests got bigger, the concerns got bigger, people getting emotional, people crying, people calling in for their mama, getting their mama on the phone, mama's getting their son that's in prison, you know, in on the call. Um, yeah, 
the ancestors were speaking to me, yeah, you're worth much more than what you're asking. So I had mm-hmm. to set on a mount, just like any other quote-unquote business, and, right. and religion is a, is a business, um, mm-hmm. you have to consider your value, your power, the amount of time your computer is up, what amount of time is taken out of your day, all of that is in that decision of 150. So how many, how long did it take for you to get kind of things kicking and moving where you're getting consistent clients? Um, in the first five years. So I'm talking about 2005, 6, 7, 8, and 9. Mm-hmm. It was in, those were my building years. Um, mm-hmm. Building meaning getting as many social media platforms as I can. That's a job, but it's important mm-hmm. if you want to do business. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm even on TikTok. Um, making sure your website is, is up and running and, and organized and through your mm-hmm. clients, they'll help you tweak that because they're going to say, oh, well, mm-hmm. I was looking for this and it wasn't there. Uh, for example, I took all the prices off my website. Okay. That became a problem because I don't want a client who's shopping prices. So I'm looking Correct. for the cheapest reading. I'm looking for the cheapest connection. You know, I'm not looking for that. I'm really looking mm-hmm. for people who are more committed to HCR than just the reading. So I mm-hmm. my prices off of my website. Um, okay. And, 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 again, make people go send me that email, which is a legal document. You know, uh, you may not know who they are, but you got that IP address attached to that email. Um, and I only use PayPal. And some people argue that. Venmo and cash, I don't use none of that. Only PayPal. Only PayPal. Mm-hmm. And um, that streamlines my ability to take in this higher volume of, of consultation. So it's okay. going to be about five years to make a make a splash, in my opinion, make sure my website was up, um, get all of my, you know, social media going. And at that time, I did a lot of posting, history, mm-hmm. I, I pick an ethnic group a day, some aspect of the spirituality and religion every day, and then I would post that and teach that from Facebook and then radiate that out. Um, then, okay. then people started mimicking that. Uh, mm-hmm. even, even my good friend Tony Val started mimicking that. So I pulled back from that and then started doing the blog talk radio. Um, okay. Because, well, you can't mimic my, my voice, our emotion, our material. That's coming mm-hmm. directly out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, and Block Park Radio even made my consistent traffic that much more present. People mm-hmm. kind of depend on the show. Okay. They really do. If you say you're going to do it daily, you got to do it daily. And, and so I, I've settled into every other day. That's working. You know, I'm, I'm managing to not miss shows, doing, you know. And so they're comfortable now with the every other day. But they require it spiritually in a way that you and Oton might not understand. Interesting. If we're not on, I get emails, I get responses. Some of the clients that come to me for readings, well, I've been listening regularly, but you missed a few days, or you know, you people are listening to this in their workplace. People are broadcasting this in their office, and those people can't call in, aren't chatting, but they're mm-hmm. listening to the show. My mom, my mom, a 78-year-old evangelical Christian, her friends are listening to this show. Her therapist listens to this show. 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes, beloved. Yes. <laughs> so um, being present, being active in social media, having a clear, consistent website, um, those are the keys to sort of doing this and making this work. Um, I do well. I pay taxes. I pay mm-hmm. a lot of taxes. Mm-hmm. A lot. Um, okay. I, I paid over $10,000 in taxes last year, federal taxes. Yeah. Okay. So okay. when you understand the Internet, the two most, I want to use the right word, two most financially um, profitable industries on the Internet. Number one is porn. Mm-hmm. Number two is spirituality and religion. Really? Spirituality and religion. And you know that comes in many forms. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, including the personal coach or, you know, the, the, the comedic entertainer that just likes to talk shit, but mm-hmm. it's throwing in tidbits of wisdom at, at the same time. You know, it shows up in many forms, but mm-hmm. according to the numbers, according to the statistics, Porn is number one, spirituality and religion is number two. And it's been that way since I showed up on air, which is right after Hurricane Katrina in 2005. Mm-hmm. So intellectual mm-hmm. property is more valued, valuable than product. Okay. That's why I'm not running a botanica. Okay. Running okay. a botanica to some degree is a headache. Just like any store, you got to keep your products in stock. Or yeah. you're getting your product from some third source and then having to send that. You got to go back and forth to the post office. I do that for my clients. I do that for my godchildren. I do that for somebody that I'm working with. So, I'm, you know, I got a, a botanical on the other side of the wall. I got a mm-hmm. carry on the other side of the wall. And I bag mm-hmm. those things up and take them to FedEx. But for me mm-hmm. personally, going back and forth to FedEx every day, I ain't ready to do all that. That, that's Denise's thing. She's trying to do coffee cups and T-shirts. Mm-hmm. Okay, girl, I, I support you, but that's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Whereas intellectual property come from here, mm-hmm. from here, mm-hmm. come from your heart. Mm-hmm. So know your value of time. Don't mm-hmm. go slow. Don't believe the hype in, you know, our people are struggling. Our people, that's not true. The numbers don't support that. Mm-hmm. African Americans spend more money than any other ethnic group in America, outside our community, and, and on things like hair products and beer and cigarettes and you know the kid. The, the oh, I was gonna say people make time for what they make. They make themselves and every resources available for what they really need. I've worked with people. I've seen people call out of work there and go to a concert or or. People scream broke and got a $700 weave in their head. I've, I've, I've seen it all, and I know when, when this is right, and I know a lot of the time, unfortunately, with this form of... Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.